podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, and today I speak with Coach Anthony Troshek. He talks about his program development, how he goes about building culture. There are so many things within this interview that coaches will find helpful in implementing and building their own team dynamics, as well as applying to everyday life. Let's get after it. Coach Troshak, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I'm looking forward to picking your brain today. Uh, but before we get into you know, program development, culture, all these things that we're going to talk about, can you talk a little bit about your coaching journey? Um, started out uh, when I was student teaching at DeWitt High School, and I was just kind of an assistant for um, a really good coach, Ron Marlin. And I at that point, I, you know, was just dipping my toe in it, see if I enjoyed coaching and just kind of learning, you know, the ins and outs of coaching. I really, looking back, I probably didn't provide much instruction to those kids besides just building some relationships with them. I, it was more of a learning process for me. And then from there, I went to uh, Caseville where I was teaching. Um, and it's a small, small school. It's K through 12 in one building. You know, there's like 100, less than 100 kids in the high school. And I started out as a JV coach and I always, you know, tell the story that I went, we went, or the team went, uh, Owen, I think 18 that year. And then somehow I got the varsity job the next year. Um, so I must've been doing something right for them to do that. Um, and you know, in Caseville, we just tried to get better every single day. Like I said, it was a small school and I could tell you, you know, we could have a podcast on learning from failures and, um, you know, just kind of getting better every day and having a growth mindset just from from being at Caseville. But it was actually, you know, a blessing in disguise because I learned so much in those years um, of trial and error and just kind of being on my own, um, kind of thrown into the fire. Um, and that really helped when I transitioned to Brown City, um, where I've been at in the last, uh, just finishing up year six. So overall, it's I think it's 11 years, you know, coaching in some capacity, um, one assistant, one JV, and then seven or so on uh, at the varsity level. Um, so that's kind of my coaching journey. And, you know, every day I'm trying to get better and continue that journey. Now, Coach, I think that you are an expert in the relationship aspect of players. I know you mentioned one of the first things you mentioned was when you were cutting your teeth as a coach, you're not sure how much coaching instruction you actually provided, but that you were doing building relationships with players can you speak a little bit on how you go about building relationships with your players now definitely um that's one thing I pride myself in and it's something I can get better at and it, it's tough at times especially because each player is so different well, how you connect with one player isn't how you connect with another and that's what makes it challenging because some kids are tough to to reach um maybe they're quiet maybe they're shy um, just, you know, you, it's a tough read on some, you really got to spend time with them. You know, the old saying is how you spell love is T I M E. And a couple of things that I do as kind of a blanket for, for all of them is, uh, one of the first things I do when, um, we have a player, um, when they're on the team is I put their birthday in my phone and I send them a text and it's, that's their special day. And, you know, Every year they're on my phone, it's reoccurring. So kids that I coached, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, I'm wishing them happy birthday. 
And we've even gone to posting some stuff on social media. If you played for Brown City basketball um, for four years, you know, I'll post, say happy birthday. Um, that's one thing we do. Um, another is one-on-one -on -one meetings. Do them early in the season. Just, you know, I know a lot of coaches will do that just to figure out roles and to see where they're at. Um, and I try to meet with them as, as often as I can. I actually have a checklist in my office and it says communication is key. And every time I talk to a certain player, I write down the date. So that way I know, you know, who haven't I hit this week? Who do I need to talk to? And on the bottom of each practice plan, um, I have um, a little spot that says relationships. And it might be, you know, that somebody had a tough practice the other day. I want to talk to them. Or maybe they, you know, I know they're having trouble with their girlfriend or something else is going on in their life. That's in the section. I make sure I, I get to them that day. Um, so right in the bottom of each practice plan, that's relationships. And I try to hit like maybe two, three players a day. And one good time to do that is during our pre-practice kind of warm up or we'll do some form shooting um, and I'll walk around and talk to them um, and just, you know, see how they're doing um, and just, you know, give them a fist bump. And like I said, if I need to talk to them specific, I'll talk to them specifically about something or, you know, just try to get everybody. And my assistant, um, does a good job with that too. So we try to tag team that at the beginning of practice um, as far as, you know, making those connections with those kids and seeing how they're coming in and out of practice. And the last way I would say that we, that I build relationships or try to is we implemented a high and buy rule recently. <laughs> I forget who I got it from one of the coaching clinics or books. And basically it's not a rule, <laughs> but more of a guideline. And I tell the players, say hi. I just want, want you to say hi when you come into practice and I want you to say bye on your way out. Um, and, it, and it was funny the first time we did it, I was in my office and there's like seven guys on the bleachers, which is outside of the locker room sitting out there. I'm like, and I walked out and like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, Oh, coach, we're just waiting to say bye. I'm like, Oh, you can just knock on the office. You can just come by. So then I realized, man, I got to keep my door open. <laughs> so then I start keeping my door open. So as they're walking out, they're saying bye. And the reason I like to do that to build relationships is one, you get at the beginning of practice when they say hi, you get to kind of judge where they're at mentally when they enter that practice, just based on that small interaction. Um, you can tell if they're up, if they're down, or if, you know, they're pretty even keel that day. Um, the second thing is, on, especially on the bye, is there might be something that happened in practice, whether, you know, it was a teaching moment or it was a celebratory moment and you kind of missed it in practice, it gives you that opportunity to go back and be like, you know, hey, Tim, man, you did a great job in Pikmin rebounding. You were make you're doing a great job blocking out. And that's what's in the player's mind as they leave practice and they kind of go home and they're and they have a good feeling about themselves. Or it could just be brushing something, you know, that happened in practice. Hey, on this, I would have liked to seen you make sure you bump that cutter. Um, just some instruction and just some one-on-one -on -one time with the players. So those are a few ways that I've found um, that help build relationships. And it's like I said, it's all back to that the thing of communicating and spending time with them. Communication and time. I love how you also mentioned every player is, is different. Some are a little harder to get to. That's part of the joy and the challenging aspects of, of being a coach. Um, but I also think that's probably some of the rewarding aspects, you know, when you, 
I've seen on social media, you wish someone a happy birthday who was a player four years ago, you know, and then all of a sudden there's this, this roll of comments coming in. You're clearly building strong relationships that go beyond the game of basketball. And I totally commend you for that. Now, relationships are a key piece of building the culture within your program. And I know this is something that, that you study and you work on all the time. How do you go about trying to instill culture among your team and also among your entire program? Yeah, and culture is definitely this buzzword, and I, I really enjoy studying it and learning more about it. And the more I learn about it, the more complex um, I realize it is. And a couple things, we were talking to a coach, me and you, and I think he brought up a good point, the difference between culture and identity. And I think that culture is ultimately, you know, it's not what you do, it's who you are. And that shouldn't change from year to year, really, where your identity might change, depending, especially in high school basketball, on the makeup of your team. Um, so our, your identity might be more attached to the X's and O's, the rebounding, the defense, and things like that. Are you going to be a good shooting team? Are you going to be a ball screen team? Are you going to dribble drive? Are you going to be in motion? Um, where your culture is basically, you know, what – who you are, you know, and a couple things that we try to implement as far as culture with our players is we have a saying and it's a poster in the locker room. It says you control every facet of the game. Um, you control every facet in, in the classroom and in life. And it's an acronym and it stands for focus because you control how focused you are. You control your attitude. You control your confidence. Uh, you control your effort. And lastly, you control um, being a good teammate. And I think that is the same in the classroom, you know, where you're working on a team project or in life, you know, later on when you're in a relationship and you have a family, uh, all, those, all those things of the, the focus, attitude, you know, confidence, effort, and being a great teammate factor in. Um, so we try to implement those every day and we always ask them, you know, what are things that you can control? And the players know that that's what we're focused on. Um, another way we try to instill culture is we, you know, we all often say that champions do more. Um, and in order to be different, you have to do things differently. And what we want out of that is, you know, putting in a little extra time after practice, um, in the weight room, in the gym, attending open gyms. Uh, we've had a lot of success with open gyms um, because we have some alumni in the area that are, are very knowledgeable and they're willing to come back and not only they enjoy playing basketball and they also will you know give players pointers and it's it's a it's pickup it's play and the kids like it and they also learn stuff because they're learning how to play the correct way it's not just you know you know hoop basketball let's just go out and roll the ball out and you know no passing no screening and just jack up shots it's 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 pretty good basketball and they learn how to play the right way. And that's another way we build cultures, tapping into the alumni because Round City has a tradition of um, you know successful program with Tony Burton um, as head coach. And a lot of players that he coached are involved in the program or still around the, the area. And they, they help out through open gyms or even attending practices or coming to the game and giving support. Um, so we talk about how champions do extra, whether it's open gyms or a lot of times the gyms open in the morning. Um, and I'll open it up and kids will be in there, you know, working on shooting or working on ball handling in the weight room. Um, another thing we say a lot is well done is better than well said. 
um, everything we do, you know, we'll talk about it, we'll put it on paper, but ultimately we end with, well, let's do it. You know, well done is better than well said. Um, so that's something that we hang our hats on, on gratitude um, and understanding that being part of Brown City basketball, we have opportunities that others might not have. So we need to be thankful for those opportunities and, you know, happy people aren't thankful. Um, thankful people are happy. So things we've, we've done is, you know, around Christmas, we spread some cheer and hand out candy canes and do some fun stuff with that. And then every week uh, we, we wrote thank you cards this year. And it's something I'll definitely continue because a lot of, a lot of people don't understand how much goes into athletics at the high school level from the people that set up the gyms every day to the ADs to the parents that are, you know, providing food. It's just, it's, it takes a village and we want to make sure that we're thankful for all those opportunities. Um, and then lastly, I'd say how we build culture is accountability and you know, your best ability is accountability. So that's, that's a lot on the players. And we often ask the question of, you know, if a random person were to walk in the gym, what would they see? And we write it on the board. And then I usually ask them, well, how many things that are on this board are out of your control? And the things that the players usually mention are hard work, we're sweating, we're talking, um, we're flying all over. And usually 90%, if not more, of the things on the board, uh, they can control. So I say, you know, can I hold you to this standard? And then they're like, yes. I'm like, can you hold yourself? Can you hold each other, each other to this? And it builds accountability. So a couple, those are a couple of pillars we have, um, you know, as far as controlling the controllables, champions do extra, make sure wealth done is better than well said, showing gratitude, and then lastly, accountability on the, in part of our program. There's so many great things that we could dig into. I'm sure we will in additional podcasts regarding your culture. There's so many things that you do that are specific, and then they go back and put it in the player's court. And that's what I love. It's not simply something that's a poster on the back of the wall. There are cues that you've instilled within your players. You talked about the accountability. Can I hold you accountable? Are you going to hold yourself accountable? Are you giving permission for your teammates to hold yourself to a certain standard of excellence? That's phenomenal stuff. Now, there's a couple things that you mentioned that I wanted to dig into a little bit more. You mentioned the open gyms. And this is, this is something that I always get frustrated about because I've been to so many bad open gyms and you talked about how great your open gyms are because you have kind of this, this tight knit family, you have experienced high level players that come back in, they're willing to compete hard to teach. Can you talk a little bit more about why your open gyms are so good when I've been to so many open gyms and they're, they're the opposite of what you just explained. There's hardly any passing. There's hardly any movement. The defense is poor. There's people arguing all the time about what the score is. What makes you guys different? Um, no, that's a great question. And I kind of hit a little bit is a lot of those players, you know, had good instruction. Um, Coach Tony Burton, um, that's who they played for. So they, they know one way to play and they're all on the same page. Um, and it's just kind of the attitude of the guys that have played for Brown City through the his, throughout history and the pride. And it helps that, you know, there's – I don't consider myself younger now, but, you know, 
six years ago, I was a little younger and same with the coach on the staff. So we can kind of play and the players understand, oh, these guys aren't that bad. <laughs> and it just helps um, going out there and being able to demonstrate what we talk about. If, if I'm in, in practice, you know, preaching communication or preaching um, blocking out and then I go out there and open gym and they see that and they know that, you know, that I'm backing up what I say. It's not the same with the other coaches. I mean, there's pretty much every coach in our program currently attends open gyms and they'll, they'll play with the guys in the off season um, and in the summer. And then part of it is just being able to, it's, it is open gym, but it's almost like we don't get any just random people that show up too often. At times we will, and the numbers will get really big, but then people will almost figure out, well, you know, the style of basketball isn't just park basketball. It's, it's a little different, so I, I'm not sure if I like it, and they don't come back or they don't want to wait and play. Um, but we've also just, at times, just shut it down, like, hey, this is bad basketball right now. We're done. Um, so kind of just having those expectations, and it really helps just – just been fortunate to have guys in the community that know know the game and enjoy teaching it and enjoy playing it and in the gym. No, that's great. And you've also mentioned a couple of times Tony Burton, who's still within the community. And for those that don't know, I mean he's a he's a Hall of Fame coach in the state of Michigan. Um, I know he still gives you a, a lot of advice. He's a person who I highly respect. Can you speak a little bit on the impact that he's had on you as a coach and as a person? Definitely. Uh, he's, he's one of the, the greatest people you'll ever meet. And he's one of the most humble people you'll ever meet too. Um, and he's always seems to have that calming factor, uh, no matter what the situation is. So if I go to him, you know, with an issue, he always seems to just be able to put my mind at ease um, with it and give me, you know, feedback and also share a personal story of his because he's, been coaching for 30 plus years so he's pretty much been through everything so he shows great empathy um and he also just has a way of just kind of you know putting himself in your shoes and being able to relate um and help you understand um and it, it's funny you'd expect and this isn't a knock on him you'd expect him to like have these great x's and o's but when it comes down to it yeah he knows the game very well don't get me wrong but a lot of it is just how he did stuff with the attention to detail or the level they, that he coached at and the level he expected. Um, it wasn't necessarily the most complex. It was, it was simple, but they did the simple things better than everybody else. And that's what kind of helped um, breed their success. I, you, you led me into another question that I had written down for you. And Coach Burton would be a great example of that. There's so much information out there. And I know you being a student of the game, you can go to coaching clinics, you can go to virtual coaching clinics, you can read a bunch of books. There's so many ways that you can learn how to play and how to teach the game of basketball. And then you speak about Tony Burton, who's like, we're going to do the basic things better than everybody else. And I said, he's built a historic program in Brown City. How do you as a coach now decide what to implement versus what may be great instruction from another coach, but it's not applying to 
either your, your program, your team, or fitting your personal style as a coach? Wow. Um, that's a great question. And it's one, honestly, especially young coaches and myself, um, I struggled with early. You'd go to a coaching clinic and you'd write down pages after pages and come back and realize that, you know, none of this stuff really fits your team. And I think one of it is part of it's trial and error, um, which I go back to Caseville. There was a lot of trial and error there, and which is why, like I said, I was blessed to have those years. Um, but what I've noticed is you just basically, you have to have your team identity. So before you put in anything, you got to know what, what your identity is. Are you going to be a post? Are you going to throw the ball in the post? You got a traditional post player. Are you going to go five out? Are you going to be a pack line team? Are you going to be a pressure team? And then once you have an identity, then you can just work on what you have and strengthen those things. Like I talked about with coach Burton, you know, doing the ordinary things extraordinarily well and finding those little 1% um, in increments that you can increase and get better 1% um, instead of trying to be, you know, the jack of all trades and the master of none. Um, you're just really good at a few things. Um, and so I would say that's one factor that I've learned helps when determining if you should implement something is knowing your identity. And then another one is your confidence in your coaching ability to do that. Like, is it something that you're comfortable coaching? Is it something you watched a video of once and you're going to try to go just do it in practice? Um, maybe it's a defensive scheme or maybe it's a drill um, because it's, it's not what the coaches know and what, the coach can teach, but it's what the players can understand. So are they going to be able to comprehend this? Um, um, how are you going to be able to really best teach it? Um, so those two things, you know, are, are you comfortable teaching it? And is it going to directly benefit uh, your scheme or your, your system? So many coaches, I feel like, get so excited when they go to a coach's clinic. And I think the most important thing that you – you mentioned was are the players going to be able to understand it and be able to carry it out and I love coaching clinics as much as anybody I love you know learning from other people but I always find it funny that the majority of coaching clinics are right before basketball season kicks off and then all the high school coaches are trying to totally disregard everything they've done for like six months in the off season and now they're going to try to instill what some college coach does with their program it's like no that college coach has been doing years and years of what they're speaking on and they've recruited specific players to fit <laughs> what it is that they're they're teaching there's, there's a big big difference that i think a lot of high school coaches can keep in mind and do what you do understanding that yeah there's some trial and error involved but you got to understand what your identity is and then you can take what you learn and see if you can apply it to your group and if they can understand it from there. Now, you've been coaching for just over a decade at different levels. Have you noticed any changes within the game in that amount of time? Definitely an interesting question and one I've been thinking about. And, you know, it, there's no drastic change, I'd say, but there's there's like small changes that are trending um from 10 years ago till now and they keep they seem to be keep trending in a certain direction and one of the trends of the game is like the three-pointer um you know 10 years ago and i i would say steph curry has changed the game with the three-point shot and clay thompson and those guys 
um, that now analytics analytics are showing if you shoot, you know, a certain percentage behind the three point line, it's equivalent to, you know, 50% from two pointers. So a lot of teams are saying they want to get in the ball in the paint or shoot a three. And some people are saying the mid range is dead. And some people are saying that, no, it's just not a efficient shot. Um, and it's all trickling down. It seems to trickle down from the NBA to college to high school. So we're usually the last to kind of get that that trend. And in the, that trend would also be ball screens. Um, NBA's gone to heavy ball screens. You'll see it in college and now some high school. And in our, in our area, we haven't seen a ton of continuity ball screen offenses. Um, but that's not saying that it's not coming. And it's probably a little more prevalent than it was 10 years ago. So those are a couple trends that I thought of that have been trickling down and as far as or schemes and, um, and things dealing with basketball um, strategies. Um, one other you know, difference 10 years ago from now is the opportunity for players to get information. Kind of like we talked about with coaching clinics um, is now you can hop on social media, Instagram, and there are hundreds thousands of skill trainers some of them are you know great and certified like yourself and some of them are just providing fluff and they're trying to make money and it's tough for kids to decipher the difference between what's fluff and what's really going to help my game and it's tough for coaches too out there that are trying to get better at their craft of what is you know What's, what can I implement and what can't I? But social media has really, really changed the game the last 10 years because everything is out there, um, skills, drills, schemes, X's and O's. It's, you know, um, do you know what best fits you? Um, but do you know the difference between the quality, uh, quality instruction compared to just, you know, some some fluff you see the drills on Instagram where a person's bouncing on a board dribbling two basketballs while bouncing a bowl on their head or something like that um so I think social media has definitely changed how we um how we teach and also how players learn do you feel like as a as a be a high school basketball coach or a coach at any level you almost need to put them through I mean not a course but it needs to be something that is a part of your normal program is that you're breaking down guys I know you like basketball and so you're going to follow stuff about basketball online don't get sucked in here's some things that you need to look for yeah I think that's important and it's it's something that I never thought I'd really have to talk about um but that I especially in the upcoming years will have to and some sometimes what we think in society looks cool and look, you know, looks great isn't transferable to the game. And sometimes the the boring basics are what's going to really separate you. No, I love it. And I know you mentioned champions do more. And I like to use the example of Kobe Bryant. And there's a million great Kobe Bryant stories out there. Um, but the one that I like is, I think it was Alan Stein mentioned it was the most boring workout he's ever seen. And he asked him, why are you doing these basic things? And, you know, you're the best player in the world. Why are you doing such basic stuff? And Kobe says, why do you think I'm the best player in the world? And that's always stuck with me um, because there's so much 
out there that's extra. There's gimmicks. And I'm looking at it like, okay, you just suck this kid and his parents $100 or whatever you're charging for nothing, right? And um, it takes me just back to that Kobe Bryant story of, you know, the, the basic skills will always be the basic skills. And it's up to a person like me, if, if I'm a player development coach, to figure out how we can still keep a kid um, focusing on those skills and improving while doing our best to make sure they're not getting bored, right? And so there is going to be some of that. You have to have an understanding that there are certain skills that you have to have mastered if you want to be really good. And that's going to take a certain amount of time. And certain times you may feel bored doing it. And as a basketball coach, we want to try to keep things fun, keep things moving. But I think it's important for our players to make sure they have an understanding of there's a reason why the basic fundamentals work. And we need to keep that as a foundation to building anybody's game. Coach, next question. When we talk about practice, when you're working with your team, let's say in season, you got uh, something happened at school, you only have, say, an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half, you know, and you're kind of in the, in the middle of the year. What are some things that you want to make sure that you do with your team on a consistent daily basis? It kind of goes back to identity um, with what, what you're doing well. Or, you know, if it's in the middle of the season, I guess it could be what, what you need to work on or prepare for that game. But definitely skills. I mean, if you got an hour and a half, I would say half an hour, if not more, should be skill-based and skills that are going to be part of, you know, your offense or your defense, whatever is, can directly be related to that. Got to have the kids compete every day. Um, have competitive drills. Um, and that just – you have to have them compete every day because they're going to have to compete every possession. So they have to have that mindset of every possession matters and putting them, them in competitive situations is going to help that. And it also – it builds that, that mental game that a lot of, you know, oftentimes gets overlooked with, the comp, with competition is, you know, how are they going to handle adversity? How are they going to handle a loss? How are they going to handle if they're up? How are they going to handle if their team is down in this drill? Um, how are they going to handle success? How are they going to handle failure? So those are all great um, teaching opportunities when you provide a competitive drill. And then lastly, you know, if it's later in the season, stuff going on, you got to have some fun. I mean, practice has to be fun. So one, competitive drills, for, from what I've found, majority of the players love to do competitive drills. They love it. It could be a competitive shooting drill. It could be a competitive rebounding drill. It could be one-on-one -on -one closeouts. doesn't matter. They love that. And then we always try to end practice with some sort of fun shooting drill um, if, if we have time. So uh, we'll do kind of around the world on both sides where they have teams and they have to hit a half quarter to, at the end to win it. So that's always a, a lot of fun for the players at the end of practice. Have something fun for them. So those are a couple of things that, you know, do what you do great, you know, and reinforce that. Do what your identity is, compete, and then have some fun. Kind of three areas that make a great player or a great program, and you've touched on all three, is you have to enjoy the game, right? You have to uh, find some joy in working on your game, which would be the, the skill development part. And then you have to enjoy competing. Right. Because basketball is a competition. Right. Somebody wins and somebody loses. So 
if you can cover those three areas of playing, working on your game, and then competing in the game, now you're, you're building something that players are going to enjoy. It's going to be game application. And you describe that within a practice. And I think if any coach out there is trying to think about, you know, how do I design a good practice plan, just ask yourself those things. Like, is there a chance for us to play within this practice? Is there a chance for us to work on our game and skills in this practice? And are there opportunities for us to compete within this practice? If you cover those three boxes, now you have a foundation, kind of a blueprint, a guideline for what you can do, and then you can be a little more specific to your program. Coach, as we close out our podcast today, I wanna I wanna commend you. You've been a, a friend, a resource, someone that I can bounce ideas off of. Uh, but more importantly than that, I know the relationships that you build within your players the community, um, you're 100% coaching the game of basketball for the right reasons. It's something that doesn't go unnoticed with me. I know it doesn't go unnoticed with all the other coaches that are fortunate enough to be around you. So I wanted to encourage you with whatever it is that you're doing, coaching at Brown City, coaching um, the, a youth program, what, the relationships, coaching kids that have graduated, you know, five and 10 years down the road, you're still coaching and building relationships there. So continue to do that. I know it's going to uh, be successful because your foundation is where it needs to be. Thanks again for being on the podcast, Coach. Thanks for the kind words, and uh, I appreciate you having me on here. And you've been a great friend, and I continue, or I look forward to continue growing and learning with you. So thank you. Thanks again. Let's get after it. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. Your feedback is appreciated. And if you could share this with one other coach who you think may find it beneficial, and obviously a rating and a review would go a really long way. Thanks again and get after today.